0: Oh, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. Glad you're joining us, whether person or online. Starting a new series today. Actually, it's going to be short, two weeks, but called "Love Like Jesus." Now, if you're a Jesus follower, you would, if I ask you, are supposed to love like Jesus? You would say yes. The question is, what does that look like? What is the application of that? So that's what we want to walk, talk about the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> Today's topic is forgive. If I'm going to love like Jesus, I have to forgive like Jesus. Hopefully I can see everybody out there. Um, How many of you have a sibling? You're not the only, you're not an only child. And i got almost everybody in the first service too. So most of us have siblings. How many of you are are firstborn, like me and my wife? Firstborns. Okay. Uh, There's something special about us firstborns, right? (laughs) Now, now secondborns, you know, if you're a secondborn, you were just born to be a plaything for the Oldest born, right? Oh, we got one kid we need somebody for him to play with. so <laughs> You got the second one. We actually did that twice. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <clears throat> there's kind of an unwritten rule about siblings, right? We pick at each other. We make fun of each other. We even punch each other. We do all kinds of things to each other. And it's perfectly okay, right? We still love each other. But if somebody outside, Somebody's not a sibling does those same things to our sibling. Is that okay? No, 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 no. That's not okay. Uh, they're not family. And you can extend it to those of you who are parents. Um, somebody might do something to you, and that's not okay. But if somebody does something to your kids, now that I'm a grandparent, if somebody does something to my grandkids, is that okay? That's not okay. So, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with The pain and the hurt that comes from being mistreated, abused, whatever it is in life. Either yourselves or those, you, uh, your loved ones. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. And we're going to start with the words of Jesus, of course. So Jesus comes along, he starts his ministry, and he he preaches this sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's got all this kind of uh, mind-blowing stuff. It's just... uh, Uh, He jacks up all the expectations of us, actually beyond our limits, to reach. So right in the middle of that sermon is what we call the Lord's Prayer. And if you're from another church tradition, you might say that every Sunday in church. And I always make the the application that, or the implication that, in the middle of that prayer is a prayer, or part of that prayer, a sentence in that prayer, that you don't really know what you're saying. And here it is. It's in Matthew 6, verse 12. You're praying the prayer, and you get in the middle of prayer, it says, And forgive us our debts, our sins, etc., as we have forgiven our those who have sinned against us. Is that really how you want God to forgive you? Like you forgive other people? I'm not so very comfortable with that. Now that, in that forgiveness part, there's two parts to that forgiveness: letting go of the wrong the actual act, what the person did or said, and then the resentment or the feelings that come from being hurt. So, God, forgive me just like I forgive the acts and I forgive the feelings that come with being hurt by other people. Is that really the prayer you want to pray? I don't think most of us do. Now, Jesus understood that this was going to be really a struggle because one more verse and the prayer is over. What do you think he talks about next? This is exactly what he talks about next. So are you going to pray that prayer? Well, here, you need to know this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, like you just prayed, your heavenly Father will forgive you also, which we all want, desire. Here's the kicker. But if you, I, do not forgive others, their wrongs against me or my loved ones, you, God, my Father, will not forgive my sins? Now, there's a theological dilemma here. Uh, so I try and reconcile this in my mind anyway. Somehow it interferes. Somehow my unforgiveness of others interferes with my forgiveness from God. And I think it mostly interferes from my perspective. If I'm unforgiveness in my heart, I'm truly not asking God for forgive me or has that implication at least. Now, as Jesus followers, if you're not, we're glad that you're joining us, but if you're a Jesus follower, you've received God's love, right? He offered to give you this love that includes forgiveness. Um, But along with that, he tells us what? To reciprocate, to give that same love to others. So love like Jesus Now, the most amazing example I know of this actually in Scripture is on the last day of Jesus' life. Now, we know that night he was arrested and he was tried unjustly. He was beaten. He was spit on. He had a crown of thorns on his head. He was actually uh, scourged or whipped. Just horrible, horrible treatment, torture, right? And then he had to carry his cross up this hill and that's where we'll pick up the story in Matthew 6, uh, no, excuse me, Matthew, I mean Luke 23. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. They came to the place of the skull, or Golgotha, and they nailed him to a cross. So after all that abuse, they put nails in his, in his hands or his, his, his wrists and in his feet and nailed him on a cross. Now, we always see these pictures where he's way up there in the air. He wasn't way there in the air. Lots of reasons for that. One, it would be more work to hang Jesus up 10 feet in the air. The other is the purpose of, of crucifixion was to uh, prove to the populace that you don't mess with Rome, but it was also to humiliate the person themselves. So when Jesus was crucified, he was about this high. He was about this high so people could look him in the eye and they could make fun of him. Oh, yeah, if you've saved other people, you can't save yourself. And you can't spit on somebody 10 feet high, but you can spit on somebody this high, can't you? And so this is cruelly to say, but this was entertainment to people that day. They didn't have TV. And so entertainment would go and because they crucified the most horrible people. And I don't know about you, but I kind of am glad at least when people have to pay for their crimes, Right? And so these people are paying for their crimes, so you go out there and you just enjoy the fact that they're being tortured and killed. Hung there naked. Humiliated. Uh, It's interesting The criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Remember back when two of the disciples, James and John, asked Jesus, can we sit on your right and your left? Who wound up on his right and his left? The other two criminals. What was Jesus saying? He told them that they probably didn't didn't want to be there. But the entrance to the kingdom is through what? It's through death. The kingdom of God. So, at, at this point, Jesus has been hanging there for about nine hours. He's just about ready to die. And what do you think he's going to say last? Well, let's read it. Jesus said, Father. So he's praying a prayer just as he's dying. Forgive them. What? Forgive them? The people that have tortured you and treated you and abused you and, and spit on you, made fun of you, and humiliated you? Yeah, yeah. Father, I want you to forgive them. Now, he gives us kind of a insight into how you and I can forgive others. He said, they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. I. I'm a, the perfect son of God. On the Messiah. They they don't understand. They don't know what they're doing. So here's the bottom line for you and I. Uh, You have been hurt. If you've been around on earth for very long, you have been hurt and you'll be hurt again. So what do you do? What do you do with the hurt? We all have to figure it out. Grow as to be an adult. You have to figure out What do I do with the hurt? What do I do with the wound? Sometimes deep, open wounds. Sometimes they heal and then we still have scars, don't we? What do you do with it? What do you do with that feeling when that that phone number shows up on your phone and you get this sickness in your stomach? Or you see them somewhere out in public and if they're over there, you go this way. What do you do with that? And sometimes we're angry with God. Well, God, why didn't, you, why didn't you let that happen to me? Why didn't you protect me from that? Why didn't you protect my kids from this? Why? Other times we're angry with ourselves, can't forgive ourselves. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I hurt that person I love. So what do you do with it? Bottom line is either you're unwilling to deal with it or you're unable to deal with it, right? Jesus said they don't know what they're doing. So I'm going to give you two insights from Jesus how to deal with those wounds. First one's this. How to forgive like Jesus? We have to pray for those who hurt you. Now, yeah, I'll pray for them. (laughs) I'll pray they'll get, you know, cancer and die is what I want them to happen to them, right? Well, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about praying for their, for revenge. In fact, God says, revenge is mine. Leave it up to me. So, back in that sermon, Jesus was was preaching. Another part of the sermon, he says this. Bless those who curse you. It's in what? Luke chapter 6. Bless those who curse you. So, okay, Jesus is hanging there on the cross. I'm trying to picture this. And people are coming by and, and making fun of him and spitting on him. Can you imagine Jesus? Couldn't put his hand out there because they were nailed there. But if he could, put it, Oh, bless you, my son. Bless you, my daughter. It's just beyond comprehension, isn't it? If somebody that's doing that to me, I want to bless them. And Then he says, pray for those who hurt you. Pray for their well-being, obviously. Pray for those who hurt you. Matthew's account says this. You've heard the law that says. Now, this is interesting. Bring that up. You heard the law that says. We looked it up in between services. Bring that slide up. Um, Love your neighbors. That's in the Old Testament. That was their law. That was their Bible, right? This is what they would have been taught in the synagogue and so forth. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. It's not in there. But evidently, that was part of the common teaching at the synagogue in Jesus' day. Just like we have common teachings that probably are wrong in our churches today, right? But this was what they were taught. This was what they believed. Love my neighbor, and I'm going to hate my enemy. Jesus said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I say, he's jacking that... The man's up here somewhere. I say you're supposed to love your enemies. Now, it's fine if you don't have any enemies, right? But once you have one, that's a little tough to do, isn't it? And he says, then pray. Pray for those best well-being, those who persecute you. Now, if you were in Jesus' audience, this would have taken your breath away. This would have shocked you uh, like nothing else. I I couldn't think of a good example, but here's here's a poor example of what what it might be like. Uh, Especially all of you that are parents, you probably try and limit uh, the sugar intake of your kids, right? Because You think it makes them hyper. And most nutritionists say sugar is not good for you. So what if the nutritionists come out all of a sudden tomorrow and say... Sugar is the best food for you and your kids to eat. Feed them sugar all the time. You would be shocked, wouldn't you? Probably wouldn't believe it either. These people were more shocked about this than that. They probably didn't believe it either, or they didn't know how you could do it. Seek the best. Actually pray for the well-being of people that are... My enemies that are out to get me, that are persecuting me and hurting me. (laughs) How do you even do that? Well, it's not natural, obviously, right? Not natural. So it has to be supernatural. But there's a practical reason why to pray. We've talked about this before. Why pray for that person? Well, because right attitudes lead to right actions. As long as I'm feeling like they're my enemy, I I can't I can't pray for them, right? If I think what they've done is so evil and so harmful to me, how, how do I pray for them? If I'm waiting for the feelings to come, so to speak, yeah, I feel like praying for them. They're not going to come. Are they? So what do we not have to do? We have to pray, but first we have to pray for ourselves. God, you've got to change me because I don't want to do this, right? So God, pray pray that prayer. God, make me willing to pray, to pray for them. Help me be able to pray for them. Prayer. Prayer's an interesting thing. We pray for people. <laughs> Hopefully we do. Pray for their well-being. But sometimes, quote-unquote, doesn't seem to work, does it? They don't change. They're just as mean as they were before, right? So put on your outline. Our prayers for others may or may not change them, right? But you know what it always does? It changes me. It changes me. Now, how am I supposed to forgive? Well, forgive like Jesus. Well, how did Jesus forgive? I always think of two words. Quickly and completely. So if I'm supposed to forgive like Jesus, I'm supposed to give quickly or instantaneously and absolutely completely. Now that's hard to do, isn't it? So I got to try to think of enemies, praying for enemies. And what's happened in our culture, and especially in politics today, is one side hates the other side right or left, whatever term you want to make. And if you're on one side or the other, you probably have some hateful feelings to the other side. So I thought this would be a good example for me to work on. All right? So instead of hating them and, and saying and they're all liars and they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're all dishonest and, and whatever, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to say, I need to pray for you. That's what I need to do. I need to pray for you. Pray that you're no longer my enemy. Pray for your well-being. Remember what Jesus said, they don't know what they're doing. In some sense, they don't know what they're doing. So what do we need to do? We need to pray for them. So, that's a big enough challenge, right? To pray for them. The other part that I want to share with you is this. Forgive like Jesus, we have to forgive as you have been forgiven. What are the two words I just used? Instantly or immediately and completely. That's how I'm supposed to give. Instantly and completely. All right. Reading from Colossians. Paul put it this way Make allowances for each other's faults. Now, I got to think about it. If I make allowances for each other's faults, when you have a fault, when you've done something that hurts me, if I made allowance for it, would have already said that you don't know what you're doing, so to speak, whatever way you want to phrase that, then it helps the process, doesn't it? But we don't really do that, do we? We make allowances for our own faults, but we're not very good at making allowance for other people's faults. And forgive who? What's the caveat here? Is there a caveat? Anyone. Anyone. Who offends you? It doesn't say no. Some category of offense. It doesn't say if they ask for forgiveness. It doesn't say if they deserve it or not. Just forgive anyone who offends you. Now, why? And we sang about this. It's interesting. The second song you sang, remember, the Lord forgave you, oh yeah, how much did he forgive you? A lot, and he forgave me instantly, and he forgave me completely. So remember that when you're struggling with unforgiveness. You must forgive others. The man's a Jesus. I don't know if some of you are struggling in marriage. Maybe some of you are. Maybe you had a struggle in the past. Uh, Scripture talks about grounds for divorce. It's not a lot. Infidelity is one. You may or may not have grounds for divorce. But you know what you always have grounds for? Forgiveness. No matter what that person's up to you. And the deepest hearts usually come from ones that we care about the most, right? Like marriage, and parents, and children. Now, so how do you do that? Well, it starts with choice. Love is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. I I, I I, don't feel like forgiving them. I don't want to forgive them. But God, you tell me I must forgive them. So I'm choosing to forgive. and If you struggle with that, back up because you know what you've forgotten? You've forgotten to remember how much God has forgiven you. So if I put all my forgiveness sins in my forgiveness basket that God's forgiven me, I don't know what you've done to me, but it's just a small fraction of what all that is. It's small potatoes compared with all God's forgiven me. Then he goes on, a couple more verses. Above all, and Paul likes to use word pictures. He says, okay, clothe yourself. You know, all of us put clothes on this morning. Did we put on the clothes of love? It binds us together in perfect harmony. And then he uses this word, actually, twice. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. As members of one body, there's another word picture, we're all connected through Jesus like a body, you are called to live in peace. Now, when I have unforgiveness, when I have bitterness in my heart, I'm not at peace. You can't have both. You can't have unforgiveness and peace. You, it, it, just, it just can't. So then he says, and always be thankful. Be thankful for what? All those things I've been forgiven the way God loves me and treats me. So here's another question. So what are your options? When, some, when you've been hurt and you've been wounded, when, what are your options if it's not forgiveness? Well, <laughs> it's to remain bitter, right? Revengeful, whatever. So how do you know when you've really forgiven somebody is when you can have peace. When you see that phone number and it doesn't, cause you to have knots in your stomach. I I've used this phrase before. I didn't know the source, so I looked up the source. Bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Now, if I said to you that, that's insanity, right? And Lamotte's the one that came up with this. Often our bit, the other person doesn't even know. Sometimes the other person may be even dead that we haven't forgiven. So what is your, or better word, game plan? Because you have been hurt and you're going to be hurt. So what is your game plan? What are you, how are you going to deal with it? What are you going to do with it? You got to think of, <laughs> um, I guess it's about nine years ago now, there's a Disney movie came out with this very popular song. and. Our littlest granddaughter, she would sing it all the time. Let it go. I'm not going to sing. Who can sing? If you've got kids or grandkids, you've probably heard that song a million times, right? Let it go. Let it go. So I put on your outline. I need to let it go. Just as God lets it. How did God let it go? Gone. It's beyond my comprehension, but it's like it never happened. It's like it never happened. The opposite of peace is to be, in one term, Jesus used, a prisoner or a captive. Without Jesus, we're prisoners or captives of sin. But after we become believers, our sins are forgiven. But we can be prisoners of bitterness. This I want to end this morning. God says He lets the prisoner free. And when I'm bitter, the prisoner is me. Are you a prisoner this morning? Again, Jesus jacks the standard up here. He says you're supposed to forgive everybody. You're supposed to love your enemy. God, I, I, I can't do that. No. God, I need your help to do it. But if you want healing, if you want healing, the only way to get it is through forgiveness. Now, I talk about the act and the thoughts about the feeling. You know, one of the verses that you're going to read this week on your outline, Next Steps, this is where Jesus was asked, how many times to forgive? And Peter thought he was being, you know, very gracious. He said seven. According to the law, it said three times. So he doubled it and added one. I don't know where he came up with seven. Of course, what did Jesus say? Uh, Peter, <laughs> not quite gracious enough. Let's just let's, let's multiply it. You know, Seventy times seven. Well, basically, he's saying what? There's no limit to forgiveness. doesn't matter how bad it was. I mean, come on. have you ever been treated like Jesus was on that last day of his life? None of us have, have we? So you can forgive and the feelings the wound doesn't heal instantaneously. Maybe it feels a little bit better, but still the pain's there. So you forgive again when the pain comes back and maybe it's a little better next time. Eventually, you get to the place where it doesn't hurt anymore. Thank you, God, for healing me. I came across this statement. True forgiveness is when you can thank God for the experience. Can you thank God for that experience? If you're like me, you struggle with this. I'm going to have a prayer for you and for me. Uh, Father God, I'm ashamed to admit that I don't forgive like you do. I had some wounds that aren't, aren't healed. And part of my problem is I I forget how huge your forgiveness is on me. I pray as I go through this process, first praying God that you would make me willing to pray that prayer. and then as I pray, truly pray for the well-being of that other person. I thank you that that will bring healing to me. It might not change that, but it'll bring healing to me. I thank you, God, that you can do that that amazing surgery in us. And I pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower. You're carrying around the pain and the hurt and the burden of your sin. Because we all sin. I don't think anybody would, would say, no, nah, I've never done anything wrong. Sin against other people. Even if you don't even believe in a God, you've sinned against other people. You've sinned against yourself. You've done yourself. And God says, I love you enough. Despite all that, I want to forgive you. I, I want to wrap your arm, my arms around you invite you into my family. All you have to do is say, yes, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. Take my sins. Enter my life. And love through me. Pray that prayer. And God will accept it. Thank you for your presence today. Uh, This is a difficult topic, God. continue to work this process in and through us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.